you will, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Cannot think of a better place to begin uh, than the book of beginnings, uh, the book of Genesis. We'll read verses 26 uh, through 28 and have comments from a little broader base than just those uh, three verses. Again, uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. We are beginning today uh, what uh, we've done uh, traditionally uh, every other year. This is the eighth time uh, that we have done a family-oriented preaching series uh, since I've been uh, at Centercrest North Clay. And so from now until Mother's Day, and occasionally we've even gone past Mother's Day, we will deal with issues pertaining uh, to, the, to the family. As uh, one pastor friend uh, told me this week that uh, uh, one of his men called him and said, I, I suppose that you have a, a Mother's Day sermon prepared for this week. And he said, yes. He said, yeah. So I guess it's, uh, you know, mothers are the greatest thing in the world. They're virtuous and wonderful. And when Father's Day comes, you're going to tell all the men that they're the scum of the earth. And so uh, I guess that's kind of the way it rolls. I don't, I don't know. But... Uh, uh, I've noted each and every year that usually I'll say something like the concept, the biblical concept, the biblical idea of a, a nuclear, a natural family has been under assault in our culture really over the course of my lifetime and even going back further. But, not, but it's become a more targeted attack in these last few years that, that the, the whole idea of of God's good and, and glorious design of, of man and woman is not good. And, and, and that, that we, according to our own whims, can change that. We can redefine our identity, redefine our roles. And, of course, that is really not only to the destruction of the individual, wants to do that is to the destruction of an entire culture or society if we embrace, if we tolerate that kind of agenda. And so I know of no better place to begin than the book of beginnings, the book of foundations. Uh, uh, as I've told you many times, I, I uh, come from a family of builders, and I don't know much about building other than I don't want to do it. And uh, I know I don't want to drive now. I knew uh, when I finished high school, I knew at least one thing. I didn't want to drive nails the rest of my life. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but uh, that a building must have a solid foundation. If you blow it at the level of a foundation, you're shot. And so, if we blow it at this fundamental understanding of God's ordained design, then all of humanity will be cut adrift. All of humanity will suffer. And you've heard, it, heard me say many, many times, if you will master the first three chapters of the Bible, and really more importantly, what? Let those three chapters master you. See, that, that's a problem 
in the church today. We think we master Scripture in that we think we bring it under our authority. But what must happen? We must place our lives under the authority of Scripture. And so if we will be mastered by these first three chapters, much to do about life and certainly the Christian life in the church will tend to fall in its proper perspective. And so let's look at this. Let's begin today. And really what I want to get at, and we'll talk about motherhood to, to some extent, but I want you to know what I, what I think is being lost in our culture is the idea that it is a glorious, it is a wonderful, it is a fulfilling thing to be a woman or a man as God has ordained, designed, and built you to be. Notice what I said there. In other words, you know, not according to your whims, but according to God's plan, God's design. And so specifically for the ladies here today, for, for the girls, what, you know, it is a good thing, it is a great thing, it is a glorious thing to be a woman and to live according to God's design and plan. It is not a demeaning thing, it does not diminish you, but it is something that you will find great fulfillment in the here and now, along with a few frustrations, but it's a great thing to live according to God's plan. Not only is it a great thing, and we've kind of touched on this a lot over the last few years, but if you really want to flourish in this life, if you want to know joy in this life, and who doesn't? Did anybody come here today and say, you know what, I'd really like for Brother Tim to see if he can make me a little more miserable. I haven't had a good week, and I'd really like for Brother Tim just to stomp me real hard. No. We are seekers of pleasure. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I will tell you that your greatest pleasure, your greatest joy, your greatest satisfaction, your greatest fulfillment will be found living according to God's plan. So let's look at this this morning. Again, Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace, for the gift of your Son, for the revelation of your Word, for its testimony as to how we may live in this life for your glory and for our own joy and fulfillment. Bless your truth to our hearts and our minds today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you just a, a few background, fundamental, I'm going to call them presuppositions or truths, okay? may not mean a thing in the world to you, but may help you to understand why I read Genesis and the entire Bible 
as I read it. Now, most of us are the products of, of public education, and we were told uh, that uh, nothing became something and then became everything. Pretty much that's the science of it, that, that uh, there was nothing and it became an itty-bitty something and then it grew up and became a really big something, okay? And that this happened, you know, you can't do it in a short period of time, but if you give it billions and billions of years, then nothing becomes everything. And so that's a lie. And it's a straight from the pit of hell and it smells like smoke. But if that is your presupposition, then anything goes. Anything goes. If, if, if that is the truth, please go home and don't come back. In fact, we will be trying to sell this to a car dealer this week. Okay? That, that it'll be far more valuable as a car lot than as a church, if that's true. But I believe that God is the eternally preexistent God who out of his own will and determination created everything that is by the power of a spoken word and the, that he did it like the Genesis account describes over the course of six literal days which again throws me a little out of step sometimes with even those that are believers they have kind of the view of theistic evolution or what's called old earth creationism I think there's a problem with all of those views I believe the earth is somewhere between five and 10,000 years old. Okay? That makes me a real Neanderthal, okay? Just so you know it. Me and Legan Duncan and Albert Moeller and God and Jesus, you know. But, but, uh, but I believe those things. And I believe, I don't claim to be a Hebrew scholar. But I can tell you, that's the way the book, the book is written. And if that's not the case, then God will have to just kick my hiney parts when I, when I get to heaven for being wrong, okay? So, uh, so, God created and he created these two individuals to whom we are all related. Their names, Adam and Eve. Every human being, their biology their, their, their life itself is descended from that first couple. So we're all cousins 3,477 times removed or whatever the deal is, okay? So let's look then that in the text we are told in chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning. Now, one thing the Bible doesn't do is argue, give you, seven logical reasons that we should believe in God. And there are more than seven logical reasons we should believe in God. And the, I gave you one a minute ago that nothing doesn't become something. That's illogical. That's an illogical statement. Okay, But God is the eternal one who is both a wise designer and a master builder. Now, as I said, my dad was a, a building contractor. And I'm going to tell you something and... and uh, you engineers, Joey and Tim and others, don't be mad at me when I say this, okay? But my dad didn't care for engineers and architects, okay? Uh, they just kind of drove him nuts. And so, uh, because basically they could draw it on a piece of paper, they couldn't build it, okay? And so, uh, 
But God has and had a brilliant design, a perfect design, and guess what he did? He built it perfectly. He built it perfectly. So he is both the wise designer and the master builder, and he is the sovereign lawgiver and as well as a gracious ruler. Why does God prescribe, command certain things? Why does he prohibit certain things? Because he's mean. He wants to make you miserable. Kind of like being a member here at North Clay. I give you a bunch of rules just to ruin your life. Right? That was supposed to be funny. But God gave the rules of life and the, the principles and the parameters so that we would flourish, so that we would know joy and pleasure and to operate in transgression of, in violation of, in neglect of His parameters is to bring upon yourself misery. It won't work. It simply will not work. You can think of any mechanical device that you want to think of if you don't use it according to its design according to the operator's manual you'll tear it up and then you say hey this thing don't work i want my money back well what you do well well that's you violated the warranty you're shot well you can violate the warranty in your life by living in discord with God's plan and so the first thing that we see then is the uniqueness of humanity in general including female humanity that we are created in God's image and I got to take just a quick side road here this is absolutely crucial again to human flourishing and, and I am a fan of the founding fathers of our nation I think some of the work that they did are the reason we haven't fallen apart at the seams even today. Even though we're trying, we're trying to fall apart at the seams, but there's some things that, that, that hold us together. But human sinful blindness is profound. And how could a man, now again, Thomas Jefferson, no one thinks of him as an evangelical Christian, but how can a man such as Thomas Jefferson Right, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that all men, according to nature's God and nature's law, have the right to pursue life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And yet he owns 600 slaves. Now, the truth is, and, and this is the way you interpret documents including the Bible including the US Constitution you look at the context and I don't believe Thomas Jefferson had any thoughts of true equality being extended to people of color and so I am glad that there was a progressive reading of our Constitution that got it right and said, just because your skin pigmentation is slightly darker than my own, you are an image bearer of God and you deserve full dignity and full rights. And people that, but, but if you miss this idea that we share in a common humanity and that we're all image bearers, you can enslave people, 
You can abort people. You, you can treat people in any way you choose to treat them. But every person is an image bearer of God. That whether believer or unbeliever, whether they disagree with me or agree with me, they deserve to be treated with dignity. And so, there is a glory to our humanity because what? We're created in the image of God. Now, that means that God took inventory of His own attributes and chose to, in some way, mimic them in humanity. Now, that doesn't mean, that, I know some of you think you're omni, omniscient or omnipotent or something like that. You're not. But you do have knowledge and power. And you have a, a will and you have an intellect and you have an eternal soul. And folks, it goes far beyond this sermon. But just like I talked about with roles, hear me. Hear me. Until your soul is satisfied by and with Jesus Christ, you will be on a fool's errand to find that which will satisfy your soul. You will try everything under the sun, and it will not work. Remember, you can go back to the sermon files and look at the vanities. Remember that? Ecclesiastes. I got everything done, everything seen, everything. I think Johnny Cash sang a song about that. I've been everywhere, man. Well, Solomon did. And what did he say? My assessment is what? It's vanity. It's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And so, there's a glory to humanity. That there's a, an intrinsic, essential value. We are to be accorded uh, dignity. And again, there's a dignity in your biologically assigned role. It is a good thing to be a woman. It's not something that you got to try to figure out how do I get around being a woman. No, it's a great thing. It is something that you should cherish and you should value. And certainly the church should celebrate the reality of womanhood. Femininity, according uh, to Scripture. Now, there's an equality between men and women. That doesn't, now hear me, don't stop now. You've got to listen to the whole thing. Which does not deny that particularly in the home and in the church, there is an assignment of roles according to our sex. That it has been ordained by God that husbands should lead their home and that men should lead the church. Y'all may find that really offensive, and I don't care. So, you know, so be it. Now, I'm going to give you men a dose for free, okay? I'm going to go ahead and start on how, how terrible men are before Father's Day. How about that? But men, God's charged you to lead your home. That's your role. And even if you say, I quit, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm going to, you know, I can't, I, golly, I just thought of something. I'm, I never will forget being out on visitation years ago, not, not associated with this church. And the husband told me that our 13-year-old son is the spiritual leader of our family. 
That 13-year-old son is a grown man, an attorney, and he married his husband, I guess you call that, or his wife or whatever, his homosexual person, other person, and now lives in full-flamed homosexuality. Men, if you abandon your role as a spiritual leader of your home, nothing good will ever come out of that. Now, some women have to step to the front. You know why? Well, I'll leave it to your imagination why. Because men do not take the role that God has assigned. Okay, but there is equality before God, equality of essence, okay, of identity. And we have a purpose. And that, that purpose really is, is given here that, that together these image bearers, let's look at our text, that these image bearers, and if you'll notice there in verse 26, the let us, I believe is a bit of a hint regarding the Trinity. Okay? Regarding the Trinity. Let us, God, who exists in a plurality, although there's one God, there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always has been, always will be. Okay? Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. In other words, he's going to have some, some things that, that we're going to hold in common uh, with mankind that's going to make him distinct from the rest of the created order. Okay? And he is going to have dominion over everything else. And I, I laugh about this, Sandy. This is why I can go deer hunting with a clear conscience. Okay? I'm ruling and subduing. Okay? I'm ruling and subduing. Okay? You can go fishing, guys. You're ruling and subduing, okay? I don't know what you're doing when you play golf, but anyway. But, but these, these image bearers are to have dominion over uh, the earth. And we see this couplet there in, in, in 27. It's kind of a reflecting back. So God really did create image bearers, okay? They, they really, really are image bearers. And notice here, male and female, he created them. Never think of women as diminished. They are equally image bearers of God. That's a huge deal. To, to be sure, over the course of history, women have found themselves in abusive situations and still do, in which they are demeaned. And again, it goes back to what? This fundamental idea. I'm superior in some way to you. So whatever, whatever implications there are to the roles that we play does not have to do anything to do with our intrinsic value as co-image bearers of God. And so God creates them and he blesses them. And here's, the, here's one of the great things. His concept and his plan according to the wise plan and the master builder, is to be fruitful and to multiply. Populate the earth with more image bearers. That's a very good thing to have children. I know some of you that have young children at home, you're going, well, <sighs> trust me, biblically speaking, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. To, to bear children, and you're carrying out God's plan. And again, in the biological aspect of childbearing, there are very, very distinct roles. 
a role the man plays, a role the woman plays. I got, I don't know why in Sunday school I get dirty looks sometimes. Can't imagine why. But Doug and Tracy came in this morning, and of course it's Mother's Day, and I, I congratulated Doug for making it all possible. And that, that was not, you know, I didn't, they didn't think that was real cute for some reason. But, uh, Y'all are a little slow, aren't you? <laughs> but God's design is for us not to compete, but to complement each other. There is a role that we play all the way through this. And that in the producing of children even, there, there is not only the biological roles that are clearly defined, but even within the home as things go forward. One, one of the really interesting things that I've observed with, with Jude in, in our house is now I, I think he loves his daddy. I know he loves his pawpaw. But, I mean, we can be doing anything under the sun, and if he gets a sense that his mother is around, that, I mean, he's like a sunflower seeking the sunlight. He is looking for his mommy. Okay. And, and what, a, what a tremendous thing. What a tremendous thing to, 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 to have children and to, to rear them and for them to hold you in, in this really unrivaled place in their hearts. It's a great thing. It's a great, now listen, it's a great thing to be a father. Maybe even better to be a grandfather. No, I'm kidding. It's a great thing to be a father. And it's a great thing to be a mother. And you know what? I don't want to be a mother. And Dale didn't want to be a father. And that's the way God has made us. And it's a good plan. It's a good design for the family and for human flourishing. And so we've got this purpose. And that, listen, please hear me when I say this. If, if, for, if by choice or by necessity, as a woman, you choose to have a career outside the home, God bless you. That's a good thing. God bless you. And, and, and I hope it's satisfying and fulfilling and, and it's a part of what God is doing to provide for the home. But let, let, me, let me assure you that when you've changed that 17th diaper in the course of a day, that you have glorified God just as much as the guy who's cured cancer. Okay? Because God has ordained for thus to... Now, again, guys, you can change diapers too. Don't... Boy, the women would kill me, wouldn't they? Guys, you can change diapers too. But I'm just saying that, that the unique role that God has given to you is something that has purpose and meaning and can be fulfilling right here. Not to mention, not to mention, the well done, good and faithful servant. That's a great thing. But you can, you can know that God is pleased with you as a woman and a mother. And that's a very, very good thing. That's a very fulfilling role that, that God gives to you. And so, He's made us distinctively and that there is a difference and there's goodness in male and female all right 
third issue. Now I want to move forward just a little bit uh, in, in, our, our, in our text to chapter 2. And let's talk about this, again, this idea of being gloriously female. That, that first of all, you're partners in that mandate that I've mentioned previously to, to go be fruitful and multiply. And notice there in, in verse, uh, well, you can go all the way there into verse 7. We see the unique way that the man was formed. And I believe that was literal. I don't think it's metaphorical. I, th- I think that the picture is that God knelt down on the earth that he had created and looked down at the dirt that he had created and he began to, and he began to make that man according to a design that was in his mind and he was the master craftsman in building humanity and our bodies are hey from a mechanical perspective unless you're trying to hit a golf ball it doesn't work too well but but it it really works well in doing a lot of things it's a it's a really great great design and so god designed that first man and then Verse 15, he's given this assignment. And again, I don't believe, I believe this is something put here just uh, so we would have some understandings, not that God realized he'd made a mistake. But look at verse 18. It is not good that the man should be alone. It's not a good thing. Not a good thing for the man to be alone. Why? Well, he can't fulfill the mandate. He cannot in and of himself fulfill the mandate to multiply fill the earth, rule and subdue it, and even more to work and keep the garden that God had placed the man in. They were to do it uh, together. And so what does God do? I will make someone very much like him. This is what this phrase means. I will make a helper fit for him, as I have to say, not a helper to give him a fit, okay? But a helper fit for him, that is, a lot like him, but someone that's distinct and will complement him, okay? And just as much as in biology and physiology, male-female complements each other, the reality is in living according to God's wise plan and God's design, we really do complement each other. I don't have time to get into all the, that different ways, but we really do. And so God made someone that would work very, very well with the man. And, and there was no, even though creation was complete, there really wasn't anyone else that could fulfill uh, that particular role. And so God solves the problem of can't fulfill the mandate, the man's alone, that is not good, okay? And so we understand. And again, I take this very literally, that God caused the man to go into a deep sleep and God unilaterally decides this is how I'm going to do it and produces a woman from his side and I, I believe really that kind of this poem we see embedded there in 23 uh, bone of my bones flesh truly I believe that's Hebrew for wow I believe he was impressed I really do. I, I think he thought, God, what a gift. What a gift. And so, 
The Lord makes for the man this companion that there's some familiarity, there's some likeness to him, but boy, he really liked the differences, okay? He really liked the things that were different about her, okay? And, and now, again, be mad at me. She shall be called woman. So the man named the woman, which again is reflective of the authority of the man over the wife, okay? That's just the way the text works. And that this woman was taken from the man, okay? And so here we find, and I'm not going to get into to marriage uh, so much uh, today, but again, this design was so that people would marry, okay? And that they would have children, and that they would find a rich and fulfilling life in their complementary roles, okay? And so, uh, there was kind of a, a unique union that God ordained. We call it marriage, and we see again uh, their kind of a hint at their intimacy in that they were naked and they were not ashamed, and there was an innocence uh, there because what? Sin had not entered the realm. And we're going to talk next week. This all sounds well and good, doesn't it? You're going, yeah, yeah. But why is it so tough? Don't raise your hand. I'll raise mine. I'll, I'll be the, the federal head of the church. How about that? I'm gonna How many of you have found it hard to be married? I'm telling you, don't raise your hand. Promise me, that will not be good. Yeah. It's tough sometimes. Why? Because of chapter 3. Chapter 3. We'll talk about that next time. But let's, let's press on. Now, the last thing that I, that I note here this morning. Human flourishing for the glory of God. You have, and I use the word transcendent, you have a purpose that's, in a sense, greater than you. Okay? That, that you can glorify God as a female, and even if you find yourself in a time of sorrow and affliction. Uh, had a discussion with a, with a friend this week. It's in similar circumstances to me. Difficult season of life. It really is. And maybe you're not married because of the loss of a spouse or, or, or you're not married because you haven't found a spouse yet. And that's a difficult season of life for you. But the only way that I know to deal with it, and it's the way I deal with it in my own life, or at least part of it, this is what God has ordained for this time. These, this difficulty, this challenge, this sorrow, this grief is what God has ordained for his purpose. And so again, if you are a single woman or single man or married, and it, man, it's hard. It's difficult. It's not, God, I don't, did I sign up for this? Why are some of y'all laughing? There's no laughing at North Clay. But trust God's sovereign plan in all of this. And so even in singleness, as a woman, 
there's great virtue. There, that God can be glorified in that. And so, I mentioned, I got kind of touched on this a minute ago. Changing dirty diapers has existential meaning. That is, meaning bigger than just constantly having to change diapers. That it, that it really does have meaning now and forever. That it's a good thing. It's a glorious thing. And it glorifies God. And then, in these, in the, in these roles that God has defined for us, you know, um, I hope, I don't think I'm going to have to counsel anybody this week, but I don't expect somebody to call, listen, I was born a man, I, I've decided I want to be a woman. Now, y'all giggle. There is a law that will likely pass the California State Legislature and likely be signed by the governor of that state that will make it illegal to, for a fee, counsel an individual that's struggling with this gender identity and to counsel them that they should be what they are biologically. It could go so far as to prohibit the sale of Bibles. That's out there on the left coast, and it will be coming right here in good old Bible Belt, Clay, Alabama, before you know it. Do what? You ain't got Yeah, 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 that's true. But these things are coming upon us, and they're, they're, coming, they're coming rapidly. And so God has designed us and given us the gift of our sexuality as a part of his plan to give you satisfying joy now. Now, again, that's not the only thing, okay? It's, it's, it's part of a lot of things. Again, living under the lordship of Christ, okay? Living under the lordship of Christ with this understanding will, again, be a part of what God is doing to give us satisfying joy. And what really I've done here today is to provide the foundation for what would be called a biblical worldview. You've heard me say many times, if the Bible defines for you an attitude or an action, you have no freedom and you have no right to go any other direction. Is everybody with me on that? I know you didn't like it, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Nod, nod your heads, okay? All right. So, but it's a biblical worldview that answers all the fundamental questions of life. All of humanity, if they're going to be at peace within themselves, if that reality that God has set eternity in the heart of man, if we're going to be satisfied with that angst that we want to be solved in our heart and mind, we have to answer these questions, okay? Who am I? Who am I? Well, scripturally what? You're an image bearer. It means you're a good thing. It's a good thing to be an image bearer of God. Why am I here? My life is a total bust. I, I, I'm nothing. I'm nobody going nowhere. No, I've been given a great purpose. And, and at the most kind of fundamental level, we, we hit on this in Sunday school. Love God, love your neighbor. Right? I mean, that's, that's really, that sums it up pretty much. Love God, love your neighbor. Why am I here? Where did I come from? Nowhere. 
I'm nobody going nowhere because I came from nothing. Right? Something like that. Well, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, according to Scripture. Designed, not an accident, not, not some kind of cosmic boondoggle. So where did I come from? Well, I came from the very mind and will of God. Where am I going? Again, just pass off the scene and that's it? Or to a place and a person to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Again, this answers that question, why is life so difficult? As I say, Sermon 1 is pretty easy. So why is all this so hard? Why, as I survey the landscape here this morning, have a pretty good idea that there's a lot of heartbreak because of what? Because of human sin. Human sin, death, resulting in death, death of a loved one, death of a mate, death of a spouse, death of a child, other frustrations. It's difficult. It's difficult. So, but, but why? Well, you know, life stinks and then you die. Is that the only explanation you got? Pretty hopeful, isn't it? It's a great worldview. Life's tough, then you die. So, why is life so difficult? Well, chapter 3 will tell us why it's so difficult next week. How do you live going forward? Is there a way for me to live? <laughs> Any of you struggle with your sanity? I'll raise my hand again. <laughs> yeah, I see that hand. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, both at kind of a, a personal level and, and, man, you look at the world and go, God, I want to live here. You know, just crazy people. I mean, it's not just the people that call the fine bomb show. I mean, there's plenty. I mean, they're all crazy, but, but, but they're everywhere. I mean, golly. Yeah. But how do I live? Is there a way to live? that I can feel like I'm accomplishing something and that my life has purpose in me? Well, the answer is yes. Yes. And again, how, how can I know peace? And I'll just use peace and joy and satisfaction and meaning. We've said this several times this year already. The great thing about a biblical worldview, the great thing about Christianity, is that in Christ, everything has value, purpose, and meaning. And the the contrast is without him, nothing has purpose and meaning. No amount of money, no amount of notoriety, no matter of accomplishment, whatever it is, it will never satisfy the longing of your heart. But in Christ, whether it's changing a dirty diaper or flying to the moon or, and everything in between, it has meaning. It can satisfy the soul, and it can glorify God. Y'all are looking like, well, big deal. I think, I happen to think it is. I happen to think it's a very big deal. And so, mothers, you're valuable. You're irreplaceable in God's economy. You absolutely are. You're created according to God's design. God's assigned you a particular place in life. And, and hopefully for, for most of you, 
It's a very pleasurable place right now. I hope that. I do. I desire that for you. But for some of you, it's probably not quite that way. But God has brought you to that place. And again, one of our hopes among many is he's not going to leave us. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. That's his promise, even in the challenges and even in the difficulties. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we pray, again, that is maybe as scatterbrained as I've been today in this attempt to proclaim your truth, that your spirit can co overcome my inadequacy and apply it to the hearts and minds of those gathered here. Folks, Lord, Lord, th there are people here today that really need a word of encouragement. And I, I would pray that in some way I've been able to give that. And Lord, uh, there are those that are struggling. And I pray that in these words they would find your comfort and your peace, Lord. And they would know that there, there is a way in their life to honor you and to please you. Lord, I thank you again. For these dear ladies in this church and across uh, all these nearly 60 years that I've lived that have blessed uh, my life, uh, Lord, they, they've been such a, a gracious influence. And Lord, for those that will continue uh, to bear witness and to invest uh, in your people, I pray your blessings on them. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.